Welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Oh, let's wind that music down. Matt Navarre. Yes, let's do that. I think you my music that. was really loud. It's okay, though. I like the intro. It's fun. It's, it's spirited. It's peppy. So what are we talking about today? Oh, what's, I don't what's know. What's in the news? What's is in the news? The little thing that they released called FileMaker 14. 14. Oh, so cool. Very exciting. It is. Well, the, those of us that have been uh, working with it for a little bit, those of us that have been on uh, ETS that have a little bit of the inside knowledge, we're just uh, ready to spread it out to the world. Well, those who saw it early can't really talk about the fact that they did, though, so we're, we're not admitting to that. Um, for, as far as we know, this just came out today, and we're just taking a look at it for the first time. And, uh-huh, because yeah. all software companies basically shoot from the hip and release their software as is right after they've done the code, not knowing any edge cases or any environments or situations. Okay, maybe With it's only not, internal testing. Yes, it's of not called ETS. It's called super secret. Uh, we've got a couple people that just maybe look at our software and tell us if it's okay program. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what they would. That's what the secret people would have you believe. Well, hopefully they won't kick me off for those remarks. Hopefully, yeah. I provide some good insight and value. I think you provide a great deal of good insight and value, as you do too, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. <laughs> so, um, everyone want to know. It really seems to, like different releases have a real strong push, right? So, like with uh, twelve, that was the first version of WebDirect. And um, like a really big push on themes. Yeah, and, my favorite. Exactly. And 13 really uh, kind of increased those a little bit more, quite a bit more in some cases, and added some really, really cool new features like popover buttons. Love it. Yep. 14 um, has some new user widgets, um, but not a ton. Uh, um, and <clears throat> But the really big push of it seems to be the things that face the developer. It seems like it's got mostly stuff that makes developers happy. Um, that is the initial impression as soon as you see the script. Workspace. Uh, workspace Maker. Yeah, they have to change uh, the name of it every release. This release uh, is called Manage Scripts. Scripts write your script place. <laughs> right. <clears throat> script Maker, then Scripts, now Script. Sorry, I'm always I'm always just gonna go back to my first love. I'm gonna call it Script Maker. <laughs> I probably will too, and did earlier today. <clears throat> so totally rewritten, and I think what I've heard from people, which I think is really accurate, is if you show a young programmer who has some programming experience with other tools, uh, the process of writing a script in FileMaker. 13 and, and before, all the way back to really the very beginning. The, you have to choose things from a menu you couldn't type unless you're in a calculation dialog box. Correct. That totally changes with this version. Now you can write the entire script, and if you know all the keyboard shortcuts, you can never touch the mouse. So let's and, give a visual impression of this, given that people are listening and not able to see anything. Yeah. 
how would how would you characterize it? What is it? What is it like? Um, well, the first thing you do is when you create a new script, which I believe you can do with Command or Control N, when you have the script workspace open, mm-hmm. um, the very first thing that you can start to do is type. What would you type? Anything that is potentially accessible within your database. That includes the name of a table, the name of a function, also shortcuts for function names. So you mm-hmm. can just start to type GTRR and it will bring up the go to related script step. Mm-hmm. As soon as you hit the return key, that step gets inserted into your list of all of your different scripts. Yep. So it's sort of like it looks like a text editor, but it's not a text editor. Each individual line is a script step, but that script step can be directly edited. So you can double-click on the if statement and directly start to enter calculation code. Or I believe if you double-click, it may open up the dialog box like it did before. But if you hit the return key with that particular step selected, you can just start to type your actual calculation. Yep. So if you type in the name of a table and then further a field... It just magically appears right there for you. Yep. Adding comment lines is as easy as hitting enter. And it just keeps making new comment lines. Right. All the lines have numbers now, finally. And so how do you add a new step when you want to, say, for example, add, you've added if, you've typed if, you hit mm-hmm. return, the if statement is there, the end if comes right after it, now you're going to add a set field. Well, you'd have add an if statement first, right? Right. You'd add an if test. So if x, you know, if the uh, dollar x is greater than seven, you know, or whatever your test is going to be, then you hit enter. Then you go to the next line. Actually, you got a tab and then enter. No, you. That, enter, these are where some of the key, keyboard shortcuts come in. Well, enter creates just a brand new line. As long as you're not editing, you should be able to just hit the enter key as many times as you want. It'll create a brand new line. And then you can use the arrow keys to move to any one of those lines if you want, right? Yep. So, I mean, you you really, they still have on the sides, they have the list of your scripts on the uh, left-hand side, and then they have the list of all possible steps on the right-hand side. So they flipped this around. It used Mm -hmm. to be that when you were looking at the window, you would see just all your list of scripts. Double-click, you open this new window. Well, now when you're in the scripts, you have it on either side of whatever script you're opening. And on top of that, you can open more than one script in this center area. So it's basically like a tabbed browser. Kind of feels like BB Edit sort of that way. Or, yeah, or really like a browser where you've got tabs. And you, can, and you have multiple documents open simultaneously all in one window pane, if you will. Exactly. Without opening new windows. Uh, and then each one is really easily selectable. Stuff can be copy and paste. Um, uh, to continue on your description, like if you, if you have a set field command, you can go into the set field command with a space bar, and then you can use the arrow key to choose the top or bottom specify button for the field that you're setting and the contents that you want to go into that field. Um, so really, it's pretty hands-free. But then using the other example, so there seems like they're sort of modern and then um, older school uh, commands. Go to related record command doesn't have that. 
Yeah, you it's to, a little bit picky sometimes, um, yeah, depending go, on the steps. record, if you hit spacebar, is like the old school one, and, and the keyboard doesn't do anything to move around it. You still have to click on the layout or, you know, click on the checkbox to say show a new window. There's definitely some nuances. For example, the example we were initially giving the um, if whatever. If you're on the if statement, mm-hmm. you hit the return key. If you're in the right area, so you definitely have to use the arrow keys, and it's got this little highlight thing. So if you're on the inside of the if brackets where the calculation would be, if that's highlighted and you hit return, it'll actually allow you to edit the calculation. So in order to get out of that, you have to actually, it will take, I believe it takes returns if you put, if you're in that field, depending, well, if it's a comment, it will. But if you hit command return, that's when it will accept it, and then it will actually add the new line. It really depends on the function that you're working with mm-hmm. and, and what it'll take. I think as developers, we will very quickly learn the five or six different things like command return that are, that are new and get very fast at it. This is going to greatly increase the speed of coding, it's gonna. It makes code much easier to see. Comments and commands and fields are colorized. Uh, if memory serves, you can actually change the colors. There's preferences for that, right? Yep. There is. A, there's a minimum degree of syntax formatting, and that's just what FileMaker has provided. Now, the the interesting thing about the workspace is they've sort of it, on the downside. They've sort of hidden some things that you wouldn't have thought were hidden before. So, for example, the dialogue that we're used to with the checkbox at the bottom that says run with full access or the button that says disable, Mm -hmm. those aren't, they moved those up into the menu. So the script workspace basically got cleaned up and is supposed to look a little bit more clean like the uh, iOS 8 look where we're Mm -hmm. going really flat and really simple. So in order to find the disable step, for example, you've got to go up with the script workspace window open. You've got to go up to the edit menu, and there you'll see the disable with the command slash. So you just have to know that you're going to use the command slash, which is actually a very common keystroke in a lot of other programming environments to actually comment out something. Same thing for the syntax highlighting that. You'll find that in the view menu where you can uh, syntax highlight. There's only uh, five different things. Script flow, which are basically all of your functions. Uh, Disabled, which is what we just talked about. Incompatible, which will change and show you. It's it's, uh, initially set to red. If you switch between all of the different uh, possible platforms, uh, Go, WebDirect, or uh, yeah, I should say mobile, WebDirect, Advanced, Mac versus client, uh, Mm -hmm. or Windows, those will turn red. Uh, comments are green, and then table fields or fields are purple. And you can change the colors on any of those five. Love it. Cannot wait. Now, one thing I don't like that they, uh, if you've, I am so used to FileMaker 13's flow, and one key command in particular for me was a shortcut that, come to find out, not a whole lot of people knew was Control Spacebar. Now, Control Oh, I, I love that one. I use it all the time. Okay, cool. Or, control, would, or command spacebar, right? Uh, control spacebar, I control believe space. it was, on the Mac, would actually, if you were in a calculation dialog box, it will insert the function or the field that you have selected. And same within the scripts. If you were looking at your list of all of your possible steps, if you were selected mm-hmm. on a step and hit that, it would insert that step just below whatever you had selected on the current step. That's not there anymore. Oh, okay. So I, they... 
I you I gain the ability to go really fast because I can do everything uh, like a sort of like a text editor, but mm-hmm. some of it got taken away. So I'm going to miss that hybrid transition where I would want to say go over to the search box over on the right hand side bar, search for what am I looking for? I'm looking for insert. That's right, insert from device. Now that I've selected it, the only way I can get over into my script from the list is to double click it. I can't use that command space bar to inject it. Right. Well, now, you though, because you have type ahead, you can just on a blank line type insert and then it will come up and say, oh, these are the five insert commands. Which one do you want? Arrow down, click this one, boom, done. Exactly. In fact, you don't even need to arrow down. If you just put insert, then put a space and start to type device or D, it will actually jump and filter yep. down just to that item. Yep. They did a beautiful job with that. It is, I mean, in terms of, if you were to say, okay, FileMaker, you have to start from scratch and completely, or you could not start from scratch and completely create a new IDE in terms of editing code, putting this on top of what their current infrastructure is for scripts is brilliant. It is Mm -hmm. an awesome implementation. It's really as good as they could have done, I think. and I'm very, very happy with it, I have to say. And the calculation dialog box also got a similar treatment. So, um, so if you go to like set variable or whatever, um, set field, you, uh, why doesn't set variable come up? Because I didn't type it correctly. That's why. (laughs) So then the, uh, I kind of wish it actually didn't even show you the, the minimized one. So like normally set variable comes up and you get a, a dialog box that says name and value. And then you have to click the specify button, which then opens up the new calc window. Yes. Which, like the script workspace, you can toggle on and off the um, the list of all of your commands. Of your so functions. you can make it really minimize your functions. You can really minimize it. Um, and then you also have favorites. You can favorite functions that you use all the time. Yes, and they made the cool. they made the operators. They it takes like a very small strip. It does not take this large center area within the calculation dialog box. And one of the cool things is, since uh, those of you are listening, when you're typing in um, whatever you're referencing, whether it's a function name or a table or a field, they have these little iconic representations. So they have a little icon FX, which represents all of your functions. Or if you start to type a table name, they have a little thing that looks like a a stacked grid, not an actual grid, but um, stacked objects. And then when you get to... Um, actually referencing fields, those fields themselves have iconic representations of whatever the field type is. So if it's a date, it's got a little calendar. If it's a number, it's got a little, uh, the hashtag sign, uh, whatever's above number three. <laughs> um, and so it makes it really easy to know what it is that you're actually putting into the script that you're writing. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people are going to be finding out all kinds of new things in this whole redesigned uh, script workspace. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely more stuff. Let's see. Icons on the layout. So all of the UI, all the stuff above the status area uh, on the top of the screen, you know, the show all button, new record, all of those are flat and new. Very yep. minimal. Yep. So they've, Very they've redone nice. the, uh, the look of the actual... And as good as they look on the Mac and PC, they look really good on the iPad. So this looks much more iPad-y and iPad-native and iPhone. 
um, and also on the iOS version of, of Go. So the whole product line is released, right? Server, client, and Go. Um, the, there's now some a uh, whole bunch of new uh, script steps, a whole bunch of iOS-only things you can do while programming in FileMaker Pro. Uh, and um, there, there's also some features like you can totally, you can kind of run kiosk mode, like full screen. Uh, you've got uh, gestures, so you can have like a three-finger gesture to say toggle full screen or not. Very nice. Yeah, I'm actually, the, the consistency that they've got between WebDirect and mobile, obviously the desktop client, Windows and Mac, is going to look a little bit different, but even then, the consistency across the board with the new uh, launch center, which we'll get to, is just... It's, it feels like a much more comprehensive, refined product line that all cohesively goes together. Whereas before, it was sort of like, oh, okay, we've got Go over here, and it has its own little look, and mm-hmm. uh, Pro and Advanced have their own little look, and WebDirect, we're just getting started with that. Right. And we've got to talk about WebDirect now, too. Speaking <laughs> of getting started, I was just going to say, it is, um, it is vastly improved in terms of speed. So here's the funny thing. FileMaker advertises that WebDirect is 25% faster on like page loads and some pretty basic things with WebDirect. But my experience is vastly Im- more improvement than that, like 400% um, or more. It, it, it's to the point where solutions, like if you just convert it and try to open it in WebDirect, you don't optimize it at all. A lot of solutions just wouldn't have run at all if they had a lot of complex, heavy elements. And in 14 with WebDirect, they run quite nicely. They are very, uh, I think I'd still probably, you know, design it properly and make it even faster and better. But it actually is to the point where it's, yeah, me too. But like if just to see it, like to see what it actually is going to be and to see how it's going to work, it's actually possible to not overly optimize something, which is very encouraging. Also, the specs. Um, the maximum that it used to support for server was 50 clients. Now it supports 100 concurrent clients for both WebDirect and for Go. Um, but licenses, there's only one pricing change, and that is that uh, concurrent licenses are, now, are more expensive. Mm. Do, we, um, do, I have any, do we have any prices? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I actually was looking at the price differences. So it's like a, so like a 10, 10 concurrency... Uh, server is maybe two, three hundred bucks more than before, hmm. give or take. So I'm not sure what percentage, but it's it's not small. It's like you know medium size increase in price, and that's because it does more. You know, it's actually like WebDirect in the first version was a little rough in performance, and now that it's actually really good, they feel that they can charge more for it. That's my guess as to why they increased the price. They did not incre- they did not change the price of server without concurrencies, and they did not change the price of Pro or Advanced. Uh-huh. Pretty much. I think there's some little adjustments. Oh, I think there's adjustments for like different markets like uh, out of the U.S. because the dollar is quite strong now in other parts of the world like it didn't used to be a couple of years ago. So, hmm. and well, so imagine those price, price adjustments because of that, like if you're in Japan or Europe. Well, let's figure out more reasons about why you'd want to pay those prices, even if they're slightly higher. Yeah. There's so much more stuff. What do you think about the, uh, uh, I'll tell you what my UI favorites are. Yeah. 
top and bottom navigation. Oh, wait. Yes, 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 yes. That's okay. huge. Okay, so these are two new layout parts. So when you go, when you double click on the header or the body or any of the layout parts, and you look at the part definition dialog box, there are two new additions. When they're, uh, one is a, at the very top and one is at the very bottom because all the check or the radio buttons represent the order of body parts that you or layout parts you can have. So this top navigation and bottom navigation, it's a nod to uh, iOS because with FileMaker, when they released it on Go, at least, you know, pretty much every layout, unless you locked the layout, if you pinch and zoom, it just did the whole layout. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, iOS applications don't work like that. They have a, right. you know, a bar at the bottom and it has maybe your four or five icons. That's what the top and bottom navigation do. They are First, fixed... I- I think that pinch and zoom shouldn't really be part of a FileMaker solution on iOS, but, you know, that's just me. (laughs) Um, You know what? Funny thing, I used it in one place where you needed to see this overall. uh, uh, Granted, 90% of the time, I'm going to lock the layout. But this one in particular showed a competition, and I needed to see all of the different uh, tables as they fanned out. But I also needed to zoom in and go really tight into uh, the one-on-one competition and who was going to advance to the next bracket. Mm-hmm. So this really makes it so that I can have all of my header part, have my icons down at the bottom, and then the pinch and zoom works in the middle. And that's, I mean, think about uh, programs where they need to pinch and zoom on graphics or, you know, whatever. Sure. But it makes the, sense. It's really good. The fact is they don't, these areas don't scale. In fact, even in uh the regular Mac client and Windows client, if you click the zoom button down in the bottom and you have a top navigation or a bottom, whatever's in that will not abide by the scale and it doesn't scroll. Trivia question. Who was president the last time that FileMaker added a layout part to the possibility? <laughs> you know, title header, header, grand summary, body. Nixon. Nope, Ford. <laughs> I know, it seems like it. It, it might have been Clinton. It might have been Bush one. It was a really long time ago. That's all I know. Those have been the same ones we've had forever and ever and ever. Oh. So I'm excited to have two new ones. And and the next thing, hopefully, I'm praying for. I, this is not a prediction. It's no no, no inside knowledge. Is they have uh, another part which is shared, a shared body part that could be shared across layouts. But then they would have to have vertical divisions instead of just horizontal. You're just dreaming, aren't you? I am. I actually was almost suspecting, almost expecting that the new layout um, or the new navigation part was going to be shared so that you could just set it once and say, oh, this is my navigation top. And then if you add it to any layout and you made a change in one place, all the layouts would be updated. But no, it's in the, it's layout specific, just like all the other parts are. Yep. So copy and paste, copy and paste. Copy and, well, you use, know. Your, use your themes. Use your themes. Because we do have... One object, a layout object that helps with buttons in particular quite a bit. Tons. And you must be talking about the new button bar. Button bar. It's uh, basically, it's just like dragging out um, any of your other objects, like a regular button or a tab panel or anything. And what it does is as you drag it out, FileMaker initially starts with three individual segments. So basically think about dragging out a button, but this button all of a sudden splits itself into three equal parts. Mm -hmm. And each little individual part identified as a segment can now be set to its own properties, including the text that's on that part, 
an icon, which we're going to get to, uh, but it can be set to either a button or a popover. Mm-hmm. So what's cool about the icons, my friend? Um, you mean the fact that we have glyphs now? Glyphs being they are SVG. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you were leading me, and I was going really slowly, but I was, I was waiting to talk about SVG, scaled vector graphics. Oh, dude. The, this only, is the what... only format to use, man. Don't use ping. Ping was, was great not that long ago, but so passe. <laughs> oh, well, there's still a place for ping. It just mm-hmm. depends on what you're designing and how you're designing for. If it's super yep. small, you can still get a PNG smaller sometimes than it takes to represent a, a SVG, uh, believe it or not. But yep. it really depends on the, the ultimate advantage of SVG is that across the board, on average, they take less space, especially yep. for large objects, but they scale and are device uh, resolution independent. Which means if you have like a, uh, well, all the Apple products now, actually all of them that I use are all Retina, right? Yep. If you've got a Retina MacBook and then yep. all of your I actually iOS. just got, I got an iMac uh, 5K not that long ago. Oh. So my MacBook Pro, my Mac, and my phone and my iPad are all Retina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Make me jealous. Man, this computer is so gorgeous. It's just amazing. You can change it. I guess kind of like other things, the key about the iMac is that you can run it at whatever, whatever resolution you want, and it looks perfect. So, you know, if you, if you run it as default, it just looks amazing at all times. And, man, FileMaker runs beautifully on it, really just perfect. So, so I imagine people want to know uh, not just the fact that we get icons, but the icon placement relative to the button text can be top, yep. bottom, left, Right. You can put the icon wherever you want. If you want the text above the icon or if you want it below, you can do it. You want it to either side, no problem. Here's the clever thing about a button bar. Even if you're only going to use a single button, you're actually kind of, you have more flexibility if you use a button bar because the text of the button can be a calculation and because you can switch it from being a button to a popover. And those are two things you don't get with a traditional button. So um, a one-segment button bar, you really the button tool could just go away entirely. In and that, the popover button tool could go away entirely, and you could just have button bars, and it would replace both of them. Well, in that regard, I am going to have one thing to say, probably because it deals with my knowledge of the underneath the scenes. Mm-hmm. There's probably less CSS on just a standard button because there's more objects being wrapped around. Mm-hmm. There's a, each object in FileMaker has pretty much two boundaries or two surrounding rectangles in order to represent in WebDirect. So the button bar is yet going to have more wrapped around all of the contained buttons within that. So I, if, would, if you I, know, I would bet you're right, but it's possible that they redid the button bar with much more efficiency and knowledge of DFCSS. Um, so I'd, I'd want to actually test it. Now you've thrown down the gauntlet, and I'm going to have to go check it out. Yeah, you should check it out. So I've also heard that, for example, talking about the weight, the relative weight of CSS for different FileMaker objects, the tab panel is actually very heavy. Yes. But the slider is quite light. Even though they really are the same function, you know, they both give you multiple panes of data. And, um, but in terms of CSS, the tab panel is much older. Um, and so I think, you know, wasn't as efficiently written. Yep. That's my that theory. I, that I can attest to. So here's the deal with icons, though. You can add your own. Yep. You and can they, import them. And they respect 
conditional formatting. You can actually conditionally format a, an icon to change color based on your calculation. So, oh, also when you use the hide, if you hide a particular segment, this is one of the downsides. The whole of the bar retains its absolute width. It doesn't, uh, it actually just, the if you have three of them and you hide the one that's in the middle, the two on the outer sides actually scale out to the full size. It doesn't shrink the button bar by actually removing the whole object that you want hidden. But That each- is unfortunate, but you actually hit on a completely awesome feature, though, which is that you can have a button bar that has eight buttons and never have all eight showing. That, you know, user group A sees these five and user group B sees these six. Exactly. And, and there's also, a- not, you know, and, and you can actually have it have a button appear and disappear based on something on this particular record. Yep. And the segment will be um, invisible. So the invisibility actually makes the whole button disappear. That is awesome. And there are, there are already techniques that actually account for if you want just a, a one to come out and have it shrink down, there are already workarounds and tricks that are showing up. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and the um, you you also have to refresh. I think you can't just refresh the button bar object if you make it disappear, like with a trigger. I think you have to refresh the window. But that was from earlier testing. Hmm. Well, uh, you can have a script trigger on each segment too. Oh yeah, so each segment yeah. is its own individual. Uh, That's true. Item. Its own named object. Yep. So yeah, we're going down the list of our, all my favorites. Man, these are things I'm so excited about. I mean, just the fact that you can trim down, consolidate all of your buttons, and put those into static. I mean, mm-hmm. they're making it so that basically WebDirect can do nothing but perform optimized and even faster and faster and faster if you yep. start to use all of these things. Yep, exactly. So, in terms of the layouts, though, and the UI stuff, what you get is they did a couple of other things that I know off the top of my head. Um, they have some settings that they've added. For example, to scrollable fields and scrollable portals, you can actually choose whether or not to show the scroll bar um, always or only when scrolling. So they're basically what it looks like natively on iOS and then on the Mac OS, they've got that there so that you can basically say, okay, I don't want to see the scroll bar. Hmm. I didn't know that was new, but yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, They also have like on checkboxes... You can switch to a checkbox, and then they have alternate uh, check options. Well, just one. Instead of actually showing FileMaker's uh, going back to, I don't know, when FileMaker was created, the little X, you can now do a check mark. And you can independently control the color of that if you want. Uh, so they have a, additional styling settings on uh, different objects, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else do we have here? Well, we have to talk about server features because there's a couple big ones there. Go for it. Um, but is there any other stuff in the UI and then the regular version of FileMaker, regular features that we haven't had on yet? Well, we've got the launch center. The whole launch center, yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, you can uh, your file can have its own icons now. So when you go into the file settings for the actual file under the file and then file options there's a new tab that was added called Icon. And this is where you can specify your own custom icon that will show up in the new Launch Center. Now, the Launch Center is just that new thing. It's the window that comes up uh, when you're choosing your remote database or when you're choosing anything that is a previously opened 
database, a local database or what have you, or one of FileMaker's starters things, if you've saved one of those. They've got all of their own icons. That is just a new way to interact with opening files, whether it's remote or local. Yep. So they've got a few other options in the file options of preferences. For example, you can uh, tell a file to uh, allow or not allow uh, a password to be saved into the keychain on the Mac, which I guess there's something oh, equivalent on There is on Windows. Windows, yeah. And I love that feature. You, make a, you can make a file considerably more secure by not allowing the password to be saved. Also, you can require minimum length of passwords. Not minimum complexity, but at least it will tell you if a password is good or not when you add it. And that's, um, that's on server, right? Uh, and on client. Oh. That I oh, there's know. another really important security change. Right now, like if you go to your database, you open it up as full access, you walk away from your computer, someone else can come to your computer in 13, go into um, uh, manage security, add an account for themselves that's full access, click OK and save it, walk away, type the credentials in uh, to... You know, the, of the account they just made, confirming that they actually do have a full access account, save it, and then walk away. And you don't even know. So now in 14, if you, if you um, are in an account with full access and you go to file manage uh, security, you have to authenticate right then and there before you can actually manage the security. A very good security change. Hmm, I didn't know that one. Yep, that's a good one. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I'm looking that they've got this. Um, they obviously they have the new feature, which is the basic setup, which allows you to. It basically has a more minimalist UI on setting up your security. That wasn't 13, right? I'm pretty sure that's. Oh no no that's no, in no. 13. The new security thing is is new to 14. Right, and then. And I love- then in order to go into the advanced, which is a security we're all used to, you have to click, you know, go into advanced security. Right. So the new security, I don't know, it's light, it's good. For a lot of applications, it's going to be perfectly fine because you don't really do that. In, in the world I usually live in, I'm way, way down the rabbit hole in my security layer. Oh, yeah, me too. You know, rec- deep, deep record level security with custom functions for testing, and, you know, I do all kinds of stuff in there. Um. Let's see. Oh, um, let's see. There's a new, several new script triggers. There's AV. There's a whole bunch of new commands, new functions, and features so for starting and stopping videos playing on the iPad. Um, I'm guessing some customer must have really had a list of features that they really, 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 really wanted to do <laughs> because they added a lot hmm. uh, to this version. So basically, if you have like a library of a bunch of video files for training and you want to see if someone starts and stops a video and have a trigger that says, no, you can't exit the screen until you've actually finished the video or something like that, um, like you see in a lot of training, online training classes, right? those features are now there. You have a lot of control. Yeah, it's all integrated into that new AV player that I, they, I think they've got a custom AV player in, that they put and hooked into container fields. And giving you all the supporting scripts and functions. Yep. In fact, um, on iOS, if you're on uh, Go, it'll actually res- it hooks into the iOS with respects to the play, pause, and forward and reverse buttons. Mm-hmm. So, like even the little uh, earphone widget thing will actually respond to receiving that call as long as FileMaker is open, and you can trigger whatever script you want. 
by pushing the little you know the little earbud thing. Yep, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, but we've seen that before with custom menus. You know where you can take over any function like delete record, new record, whatever. Have those run the script. True. So this is kind of just continuing down that same path, I think. True. True. Server's big feature, I think, is this. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they call it, but like a hot, uh, like a failover. Yeah. So if the server, like if if server hardware dies on your primary server, you can configure a a, a secondary server, and um, a, a user like you could then go into a command on the. It has actually has to be a command that you type on the server that says. Um, oh, I lost my primary storage or whatever. Go and switch over to my secondary server. Yep. Every client when they connect will see that there's a secondary server connected, and if the command is issued on the server, then that client will then immediately switch over to the second server. Um, and it uses the existing uh, backup system, the one that does it all the time, uh, like doing changes uh, to keep the two servers in sync. So basically kind of block-level syncing of the servers. Right. Now, it has to be an exact, exact clone right. uh, from yeah. what I've heard. I mean, yep. it, it, all the way down to the SSL certificate and everything because it just has to be exact. So, I mean, yeah. I'm presuming that's possibly even same hard drive space? I don't know. No, I think it's not quite exact. It has to. They Basically, any deviations that you make from server A to server B are going to cause a possibility for it not to be able to sync. So, for example, it would be impossible to have server A be a Mac and server B be a PC. But you could have server A be a really highly configured PC, you know, with RAID and, and everything else. And server B could be a PC, but it has to be running the exact same operating system. You know, it has to be running server 2012. Um, um, but with different hardware specs, different RAM, different, you know. I presume that would be okay. I'm not absolutely sure, but it would be kind of ridiculous to have two super high-end boxes. Of course, if it's virtualized, that'd be easy. But, but if it's virtualized, then you really don't need this feature because it's not really solving a problem. You know, If the FileMaker server engine craps out, then stop it and start it, and your server's back online. Having a, having a hot spare doesn't really solve that. But if, you've got an, if your server is running like on a Mac Mini where you've got a whole bunch of single points of failure... You know, just the drive could die, just the RAM could die, just the power supply could die, just the Ethernet, one Ethernet could die. And whereas if you're running on a virtualized Windows environment, you've got dual of all of those things. Mm. Um, and so you're not really solving any problem that wasn't already solved at the OS level. Um, still, I think it's a pretty cool feature, and I'm, I'm especially excited about, I did not just say especially, I meant to say especially without an X. We're not on the air. Yeah. We're just chatting. Um, I'm, I'm excited about like what, where that feature could go. Like, you know, is it maybe going to be, are they going to give us uh, clusters at some point in the future maybe using the same technology? <laughs> um, I don't know. When I asked FileMaker, they said, oh, yeah, you know how to make feature requests, don't you, on the FileMaker website? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It was oh, funny, ch- actually. Check this out. I was in, uh, as we're talking here, and I mean, there's an I, there's no way to have spent the amount of time with it. I'm sitting here just going through some things. I mm-hmm. opened up the debugger. The debugger is showing the actual name of an error or the, what the what the error is, the text string of an error when you hit it within a script. So it's not just the number that you have to click on and then open help. 
mm-hmm. actually tell you right there. That is nice. And it's speaking, just a split speaking window. Speaking of debugger, there's actually also a, a step or a button you can click when you're writing a script that's debug script. It's basically the old shift click on the run button, and it opens up the script debugger and runs the script. I saw that. It's right next to... Uh, they gave them key commands. So in order to run the script, you don't have to click a little icon. You just use Command-R. Mm-hmm. In order to run it debugging, you just hold down the Shift key. Yep. So if you can remember R for run while the script workspace is open, there you go. Yeah. Oh, and uh, another one I totally, completely adore. Uh, there's a, a way to disable script triggers for the entire session that you're running. You can turn it on and off in advanced. Oh, I thought that was in that was in thirteen, wasn't it? I don't think so. Huh. I'd have to check that out. I and thought it was. I thought it was a hidden item in the uh not hidden, but it was in the tools menu, I thought. But I really? could be totally wrong. Yeah, uh-huh. like if you go to the oh, maybe it's a debugging well, I'll open up FileMaker thirteen here. Well, I'm in thirteen right now. Debugging controls does not have a thing that I've ever seen that oh god, disable script triggers. <laughs> Okay, fine. It's there. <laughs> it's a little bit more obvious in 14. That's the feature. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you, you're looking for new stuff. It's in the same space. But I think it's also on the dialog box on Data Viewer, maybe. Could be. No, I don't think so. Yeah, anyway, maybe I'm confused. Okay, well, hey, you know, there's a new feature in 13 that I didn't know about. <laughs> I haven't used uh, it, though, myself. I mean, usually when I'm disabling triggers, I'm doing it through my own sequence of scripts. That's kind of true. I, I kind of want to see them fire because if it's happening to me, I, you know, I don't want to disable them and then not catch an error that the user would experience. Right. So I kind of want my environment to be closer to their environment. But there are absolutely times that I don't want them to be on when I'm doing certain things. So, well, You know what we missed in the layout is talking about the button bar and reducing the number of different things all over the place, like normal FileMaker is add a button, mm-hmm. add an, a graphic, and put that icon on top of the button. So we get to consolidate in the button bar. Placeholder text. Oh, yeah. That is, uh, so basically our, our familiar trick of set a field to have no fill, and then underneath it put some text, and then when FileMaker 13 added the hide option, hide that when the field above it actually has, well, that all goes away. Yep. Now every field has the ability to have what's called placeholder text, which is whatever you want, calculated or however, to show as long as that field is empty. And as soon as it's not empty, the placeholder text doesn't show, and you have full control over that with the appearance settings in the inspector. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another reduction of uh, the number of... They really want to reduce those layout objects. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Which is good. Yep, that's a new one. I don't see anything new on the appearance tab. I think that's basically the same. Oh, did we have inner outer, inner shadow and outer shadow control before? I don't think we did in 13. Yeah, yeah we have that in 13. We just, okay. I think they may have turned it on for Go. I can't, I don't know for sure. Uh, it used to be that you w- they weren't rendering it on Go. I'd have to check that, though, double check. Um, the font menu now shows a dedicated uh, groupings and recently used. Uh, icons which is really helpful so it'll if you've used a font recently it will put it up at the top uh, separate from all the other fonts which makes it really nice I just remembered another important one Um, okay so server 13 has been 64-bit but client 
Pro and Advanced on Mac and Windows has been 32-bit up to this point. We didn't 14, mention that? 14 is 64-bit on the client. Oh, dude. That was like, that's my number one thing. <laughs> that's big. It's huge. So I mean, um, The speed with which you can do local client-side imports and exports on your data manipulation, I, um, it's just, it makes it faster. Yeah, for sure. Able to use tons more RAM. Um, that's a good thing. Oh, here's a cool little convenience one. I, I came across this. A lot of the times when I'm, I'm developing a solution, the way that I develop is rather than creating a script right off the bat, if I know that I'm going to add a button and all I want is a simple little step, I just want to do some data manipulation, I'll just put the set field right on the actual button. Mm-hmm. So FileMaker, uh, this single step notion of being able to run, let's say, for example, like a set field, mm-hmm. as soon as you actually want to go to um, any other you know, enhancements beyond set field, sorry about that cling if you can hear it, um, I, you just basically click this button that says convert to script. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> Before, what you had to do is you have to go grab all the arguments and code and whatever you might have had. Now, it could have been, like if your single step was gooder-related record, that might have been gooder-related record for all the whole entire found set in a new window with these specs, with these calculations for all the things. There might have been a lot of individual things to copy and paste. Um, now, with a convert to script, all of that stuff just it just basically makes a script with a single script step, go to related record, with all of your specs and nothing to retype. Exactly. All your code just stays right there embedded. So it's not total something convenience. You're, not something I'm going to use a lot, but when I do, it's going to be really convenient. Oh, yeah. There's not a single thing I don't like about this version. I hate to sound like a cheerleader um, because sometimes they come out with new things in FileMaker that I don't love, but this, this release is not one of those. This, this has stuff that I just love. I There's... Nothing that I don't like. Well, there's that one keyboard shortcut. That's your one little thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's about it so far, yeah. And, you know, I guess with the 64-bit, that's, that's going to ha- mean that any 32-bit plugins we've been using won't work. We'll not have to have 64-bit plugins. Yep. But I think the plugin vendors have known about this for a long time because client or server has been 64-bit. So all of the living plugins are all upgraded and... Um, and should have 64-bit versions available by now. Yeah, ho- yeah, hopefully. I mean, there will always be stragglers, but yep. I know that the primary plugins that I use, um, just from being on that super secret whatever, uh, mm-hmm. here, take a look at our product program, uh, mm-hmm. they're there. So like uh, Developer Assistant, that's actually uh, that's going to be cool. That one, I can't develop in FileMaker without oh, that one. Yeah, I've been playing with the new versions of that. Of to empower developer assistant. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. That's oh, yes, I do. I don't know if he wants to talk about that stuff or not, but well, so I've, far all we're doing is oh, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm gonna have him on the podcast, but um, I'm really psyched about it. Really yep. psyched. That and MBS plugin, they actually, if you have been using their syntax highlighting, which goes beyond FileMakers, then mm-hmm. it, it does work in 14, so they're good oh, to go cool. there. And so, yeah, presumably like Scriptmaster and Base Elements and all the other usual suspects. Yep, they'll they'll be good to go. Troy will no doubt have all their plugins updated if they're not already. I imagine they're all just rushing as fast as they can, given that the people who are listening to this know that FileMaker 14 is out now. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. 
So here's a couple of the script steps uh, that I've got that I took down that are new, just in case anybody wants to uh, be able to reference those if they're listening to this and do get a copy of Fonmaker. You've got um, Enable Touch Keyboard, so you can actually turn the keyboard off, meaning it won't come up when you go mm, into, a, into field a field if it's not if you've disabled it, which is yep. wonderful on Go. Really, really good. Uh, refresh portal, which I'm presuming, I haven't played with it a whole lot, I'm presuming that this is an attempt to hopefully uh, take the whole flush cache out of the refresh window step and make it so that you can just refresh the portal. Makes sense. So hopefully that actually works. Save some um, time. We've got a script step of set allowed orientations. Uh, which is a mobile-only function. We've got a mm -hmm. so that way you can say, like for example, on a phone, you should have it. You should be able to run um, portrait with the power button on the bottom, or the you know menu button on the bottom, and left or right horizontal, but not upside down. Yeah, and so you, now that's a possibility. You can basically control what it has to be. We've got mm -hmm. um, get directory as a new script step. I haven't played with that one. Myself. Um, and then we've got our AV players where you've got to play set options and set playback state. Yep. So, whole bunch of new functions, mostly the AV player stuff. I can't think of any of the other new functions. Can you? Um, I've got a list of them. Basically, usually what I do is I just open FileMaker's help and then I grep anything that's based on what it says the new version is. So, um, I don't know. I can see how many I've got here. If I, if, uh, those of you at home can hear my little dog in the background barking, and there's a guy that came up to our front door. So you'll that have doesn't to sound like a little dog. That sounds like a big old dog, man. That's a little medium-sized dog. <laughs> <laughs> but she's uh, awfully feisty when people come up to the door. And well, that's good. That's what you want a dog to do, like a doorbell. <laughs> Whether or not somebody rings it, you have a doorbell. So let's see. I'll take a look at how many I've got here that I've pulled out. Um, I've got a list of just 15 uh, new functions, I think, but I don't uh, have the actual names of those functions. Many of them are just supporting the new features like the AV player, um, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, they do have some renamed items, and they always do that. They rename a few things, so it really depends. Oh, um, I just remembered one other thing on server. There's a new um, group start page that's much nicer looking. So if you use the feature on your server to create uh, groups for different people, so like if you've got one server that's shared by three or four different departments, you can have one account be the master account for the whole server, and then you can have sub-accounts for you know, sales and for marketing and for you know, product development. Um, and each of them has a start page which lists all the databases and a really cool button that you can either open up that database in WebDirect or in FileMaker Pro. Uh -huh. Very nice. Uh, and I presume if you're looking at it on Go, then it would open up in Go if you're looking at the web page. So that's actually going to be kind of like the new um, Launch Center thing um, functionality, kind of down that same path, I think. Well, I know that they're trying to make all of the... Uh, I mean, it makes sense because we're living in this sharing world of, you know... Connect your data over here, and connect. it's all in the cloud. Um, mm -hmm. Like uh, FMGo, I think it supports AirDrop now, if I'm not mistaken. Where if you've got a local file, you can AirDrop that to someone else. Oh, I didn't know that. I did, I I've heard it. I heard it sort of through the grapevine of the program. I haven't tested it, so 
if that isn't in there, then that's just because I'm giving you wrong information. But if it is there, woohoo! Woohoo! The FMGO signature panel, which used to be only full page, um, now is is greatly improved. Yeah, don't you get a couple more options in terms of like? Uh, I think there's a few more things that you can specify in that script step of what is displayed. Yeah. So, like before, I really wanted to have like, here's the terms you're agreeing to sign here with your finger, you know. And you couldn't do that in 13, but now you can. Oh, they've got so many other little things too, like um, the insert from URL. I see here that I uh, actually found a thing that should still be in there that you can verify whether the SSL certificate is uh, is you know it, you basically use the third party, which verifies against the root and the intermediate certificates. Mm-hmm. Where before you couldn't specify that, and I presume it basically if it just said that it was valid without going through the verification process, it would still just use the encrypted connection, which sometimes if you've got a man in the middle, you don't know whether it can be encrypted, but it can be encrypted at the wrong place <laughs> unless yeah. you verify through that public key infrastructure. I think we were talking about the if the server is secure, has the secure checkbox checked, um, that the, the lock does not show green. It still doesn't appear to show green. Uh, that again, for me, is I think that really depends on what because everything is locked down on behalf of FileMaker's end. It really depends on what they have within their key store. Yeah, their their key store basically is the place where they have the certificates that they say are the people that they were will verify against. Mm-hmm. And this is documented on their help page where they say, okay, we only support the GoDaddy this. Uh, thought certificate and this certificate. Right. Which to me, I, there was actually a discussion that I had had. It might have been on the, the super secret program or whatever mm-hmm. about SSL certs. Some people were trying to say, oh, well, you basically, you have to do it this way. You have to do it through the public key infrastructure. That's It's PKI is the initials that that stands for. I said, mm-hmm. well, that's a bunch of baloney mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if I had my own uh, self-signed certificate and I'm the admin that made that certificate and securely transferred it to all of my clients. And we're just talking about using FileMaker uh, like client from the standpoint of my own infrastructure, like my own LAN, my own users across the WAN. We're not talking about the public or people hitting it and using WebDirect. But if I control all of the certificates, that's much more secure than a third party because I'm the one that controls and knows where all the certificates are and unless they got broken into or hacked or whatever mm-hmm. it's all on me whereas with the public key infrastructure system it's based on this is the public's trust and so you have these third parties GoDaddy, thought etc well there's this process called uh, certificate revocation where if somebody says okay this person this is a fake bogus certificate they revoke it and the browsers are supposed to check this uh, revocation list or have a sequence of steps where they say okay if this certificate has been deemed invalid, notify the user. Well, if FileMaker implemented their own revocation process and you could add your own certificates to FileMaker server, that, in my personal opinion, is more secure than going through the public infrastructure system and saying, okay, if wherever I get the certificate, that's exactly why FileMaker actually uses only their approved vendors currently is they're not using the operating system uh, root certificates which there was a whole debacle a while ago where mm-hmm. a, uh, a particular provider of SSL certificates was compromised. And so pretty much anything that they had authorized 
anybody could go in between any of those connections and just basically do whatever they want with whoever's trying to connect to those services. So, oh, but don't get me on security. That's all. That's a whole nother topic. Know, know. <laughs> well, we've had an episode about it, which was great. Got a lot of good feedback. So I like I like being in control of my own destiny when it comes to certain things. Like if you're going to connect to my server, I'd want to give you my own cert and give you your own cert and have your cert validate against my cert and not go through the public system. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. What else is there? Not a single thing. That was it. That was every single feature. I'm sure sure we missed a few. No, but those are, you know, we hit the big ones, man. My favorites. Yep. Definitely. The script workspace is what's going to be most talked about by developers as they get used to it and all of its uh, nuances. Mm-hmm. I think so too, for sure. Oh, yeah, here's big... uh, I just I'm going through my notes here. Um, I know this one will get uh, the, our fellow podcast or our sister podcast. I don't know how they want to be referred to. FM Success Tips. Mm-hmm. Andy, I know, is always uh, lamenting the fact that he can't set his own ports. I believe in Server 14, you can now set your own custom ports. Oh, that's cool. So you're not beholden to FileMaker's assuming 80 and 443 and whatever else it uses right. for bonjour and stuff. Well, well I don't you, imagine you can't you can change, change the FileMaker port, right? You can't. Yeah, that's true. Or the or the FileMaker port because there's nowhere on the client to say yeah, no. use this port to connect a server. Those are reserved. But for 80 and 443, uh, you those are the ones but you can change, I believe. That's nice because that's that's also probably an important security change. Yeah, if you want to try to obscure your server. I mean, you can always scan. Uh, and if you've got a scan detection software, you can actually detect whether you're being scanned by the same IP and say, okay, you've hit more than three ports, and you block them out at the firewall, which is pretty common to put on servers. Yeah. So always trying to stay one step ahead of the hackers. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool, man. Let's wrap it. All right. We never even got to use my little segue. Yeah, you know it. (laughs) That's the end. (laughs) All right. So we're out. Until next time. See ya. Bye.